Daddy hunted with Colts and Underwood And Daddy hunted so Often misunderstood And Daddy hunted so Precious and good The ride of your life is Daddy Hood Welcome back to Daddy Hood, where we are exploring all the different paths to parenthood. I'm so, so excited for today. I'm joined by my friend, James Black. James, thanks for coming on Daddy Hood. Colton, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, all right. I mean, obviously, I have a bio here, but we've been friends now for about two years. I think, I mean, has it already been, probably? Yeah, I think, I think, I think so. Been. It feels like that. I yeah. mean, I want to say, and I say this. I, weirdly, but like I've been supporting family equality somewhat privately just because, mm -hmm. you know, the more outward you are, the more yeah. rumors get started. Right, exactly. Um, but I, I remember as soon as I started my family planning, I reached out and I was like, how can I help support yeah. family equality? Yeah, absolutely. How we can I get involved? You. And we've been connected ever since. So. Yeah. yeah. And, and so much has changed on my journey. So much has changed on your journey mm -hmm. since then. I can't wait to get <clears throat> all into it, but I'm going to read yeah. off the cue cards because your bio is very impressive. And okay. I want to make sure that I hit <laughs> the marks. So. Sure. James Black joined Family Equality as the first black CEO in 2021. Prior to joining Family Equality, James worked in the corporate sector where they have a long history of senior roles in the defense, technology, and finance industries. James was selected as one of Out Magazine's Out 100 list, a compilation of the year's most impactful and influential LGBTQ people in the fall of 2022. My friend, James Black. Yes, thank you. So I have a lot to learn on okay. my path to becoming a dad. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I'm very excited to learn about is dad jokes. <laughs> so if you right. would let me practice my dad Absolutely. jokes. Absolutely. Okay, let's, great. Let's practice. So here we go. James, I'm so good at sleeping. I can even do it with my eyes closed. Is, Was that, is that good? the joke? That's the joke. Uh, okay, well, I guess it, that's a successful dad joke then. It is, it is, because I don't really laugh at any of my dad's jokes. Great, but, but. great. I, it's mainly eye rolls, right? It, it's eye rolls uh, while he laughs at it. That's and, the and success of a dad joke. That's the success. Eye roll, if, it, if you get the eye roll. A grunt, a moan. A, a grunt, yeah, a moan, yeah. a walk away. For sure. And then you laugh hysterically. That's usually how it goes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And then I just uncontrolled. How good was that? A knee slap. Right, a knee slap. <laughs> a knee slap. There we go. <laughs> You'll get to the knee slaps. It happens. Yeah. 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 Well, there's so many different topics that we can talk about. Yeah. But before we start, I want, I would just love to hear from you to just explain to people, you know, what and who family equality is. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm educated enough to know, but it took me a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. But just would love to hear from you um, yeah. about family equality. Yeah. I think that family quality is one of the most important nonprofits in our country. Although people don't <clears throat> know who we are, we're a very small nonprofit. Um, and that's because LGBTQ plus folks have been building families for years and years and years. And no one knows that, right? No one knows that we have been building families via adoption and surrogacy um, in traditional ways, if you will. And we are the organization who supports that. So Family Equality is a 44-year-old organization. And um, I love the name of, the, of, of your podcast because when I think about daddyhood, I think about those dads yeah. who started Family Equality 44 years ago um, at the first gay lesbian march in Washington. And, you know, we are an organization that ensures that LGBTQ plus people can create families without economic barriers, without social barriers, without legal barriers. And we've been doing that work for it for decades now. And it's 
it's fortunate that we're doing the work, but it's also unfortunate that we still have to do the work yeah. because there are barriers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just know this because of one of our other conversations, but can you share the name of the or what the organization Absolutely. was previously? Absolutely. Yes, which I, which I love too. Uh, so the organization was called the Gay Fathers Coalition. I love it. Like, it gives me goosebumps just saying it, right? Yeah. The Gay Fathers Coalition. And yeah, I mean, this group of gay dads met and said, look, we're going to parent our children, right? Mm -hmm. Having children in the 70s as a gay person after coming out of straight marriages and after finding out who you really were, and I, you, I think you understand that journey, yeah. right? And still wanting to, to be a parent and parent their children and then being told, no, you cannot parent your children. They weren't going to take that. They weren't going to take no for an answer. So the fact that these guys got together and said, we're going to build this coalition and we're going to support each other and, and make networks and resources. And then to know that 44 years later, we're now family equality. It's an amazing story. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm honored to be partnered with Family Equality yeah. on this podcast and to be supporting you and your organization um, and everything you're doing for families like mine yeah. um, and to, to be able to um, <clears throat> fight for our rights, to be able mm -hmm. to represent us, to be able to um, continue just to educate America yeah. on these humans that yes. are trying to We're humans. create yeah. families. Exactly. Um, you know, I know one thing that kept me in the closet for as long as it did mm -hmm. was my desire to want to be a father. Mm. I did not think, I did not see, and I didn't think there was a path yeah. to be a dad as a gay man. You know, and that all, also comes down to just representation in our own community. While we're very expressive at times, um, you don't get to, it's not flashy or cute or sexy to be, you know, a, a, the the father and have your family out and out and from you don't that yeah. doesn't make the you know the headlines doesn't make the headlines so you don't get to see it especially for closeted men who aren't really looking for it and if don't, don't want to it. look for it you don't so it. I just you know that is it's been such an amazing last few years after coming out of yeah. just educating myself not only on who I am and who I want to be as a gay man mm -hmm. but just our community as a whole absolutely um, and absolutely. I don't know. I mean, the work that you guys are doing, like you have a long ways to go. And we I have, recognize we long, that. We have a long way to go. People believe because we're in 2023 or excuse me, oh my God, 2024. Yeah. Um, that, and we've made progress. We have marriage. People believe that we've, we've won. Everything is great. And even though we won marriage, there were still barriers to creating families. Yep. So there, we have a long way to go until any of us can actually have a family without barriers. And it doesn't even matter how much money someone makes, right? Right. You can be the wealthiest person, but if you are a gay parent, a lesbian parent, there are going to be barriers, even social barriers, yep. right? We, we have to deal with that. And you talk about representation. Um, I agree. I mean, how, how many LGBTQ plus folks do you see on television or parents or... You know, with strollers, uh, you know, walking around the grocery store. I mean, I yeah. I don't know why. You know, we just we we just we don't see it. And I think a lot of it is that we we still stay in the closet somewhat. Maybe different areas and different locations yep. we don't, but typically we we do. Yeah, I mean, and, and you mentioned it, and I want to I want to stick on this topic for a yeah. second. But barriers. So let's mm -hmm. let's talk about them because I, yeah. I I know obviously you just mentioned there's social barriers, there's economic barriers. Um, and also, I mean, discrimination barriers, mm -hmm. um, just pointing out the obvious, depending yeah. on what state you're in. Can you talk just about, you know, probably the top three barriers that you see right now, just in expanding your family as, as somebody who's in the LGBTQ plus mm -hmm. community? Yeah. I think one of the, the first barriers that comes to mind is this idea of parentage and that you 
have to establish a legal parent-child relationship. You're probably learning about that yeah. through your process. And some folks in our community don't know that, right? So you could have a, I, I always bring up this example of the lesbian couple in Oklahoma who were married and they had a child um, and then they divorced. Mm -hmm. And the parent who um, did not give birth to the child did not do second parent adoption, did not establish a second parent adoption, that, that parent-child relationship, a legal relationship. And what ended up happening is that um, through this, the legal process, the judge in Oklahoma said that she is not the mother and the donor wow. is now the father because the mother, her spouse, her ex-spouse started dating the donor. Oh, wow. Right. And okay. so this idea of, of um, legal parent-child relationship, I think is going to be, continued to be a theme because of these, um, some of the, the extremist judges that we're, we're seeing, right? Yeah. And so, and as we continue to see more attacks on our community, I think you're going to see things like that, right? So yep. it's, it's, I think establishing that relationship, legal parent-child relationship is really important. Um, is that just like <clears throat> lack of knowledge? Like I think it's, a lack of, it's absolutely a lack of okay. knowledge. And we released a, a, a parentage report about a month or so ago to educate the community on those yep. Uh, those challenges because a lot of people did they don't know yeah I you know it's unfortunate because I think you can't rely on if we get a divorce that everything's going to be great the other barrier um I believe is you know I think the when I think about discrimination I think about the foster care system mm. and there are about 400,000 children who go through the system every year, about 120,000 of them are waiting for adoption because some of them are reunified, reunification with their, their Hold families. On, can you say that number again? Uh, the, 120,000? About 120,000 are waiting for adoption. Wow. Um, and about 20,000 age out and every 400, year. 400,000 go through our system. Go, go, through, go through the system. And some of those are reunified with, with, with various family members yeah. or with their parents. But about 120,000 of them are waiting, are waiting adoption. And you think about that LGBTQ plus people are seven times more likely to foster and adopt, but there are still 13 states that, can, that, that can make the decision that we are not aligned with your religious beliefs. Mm. And so therefore we can say no to this child who's in foster care, wow. who needs a family, who's waiting for their forever home, and who would be better suited to have a family like yours and mine, right? Because a lot of those kids are queer. Yeah. And so they would be better suited to be with a Colton or with a James, and they're sitting in foster care. Yeah. And so the barriers, I think, there is not just barriers to us um, fostering children who need it and, and the, the you know, fact that you can be denied, but to think about all the LGBTQ plus children who are part of the system right. um, who are aging out. Hmm. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And yeah. what is uh, the age for aging out in the foster? I think they believe it's 18. It is 18. Yeah, I believe it's 18. Yeah. And if you think about when they're aging out, there's an entire there's a path yeah. that they typically take. Um, and that's unfortunate, too. So it's just an, an ongoing issue, right? They've aged out, and now they where do they go? Yeah. And can you, can you talk about the support that family equality lends to you know, these families and to these kids? 
Well, um, I would say that the support is via legislation, yeah. right? And so we have a, uh, we call it our flagship legislation, the John Lewis Every Child Deserves a Family Act. Mm -hmm. And via that legislation, when passed, and we've been working on it for quite some time, it's a bipartisan legislation, which is great. Yeah. You know I love that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> via that legislation, when passed, um, it's going to do a few things. One, it's going to remove the barriers to LGBTQ plus folks who want to foster and adopt. So those 13 states who are holding strong, that would be eliminated. Yep. It's going to transform the foster care system. So children who are LGBTQ plus, who don't have the supports from their, um, what do we call their the caseworkers, right? They don't yep. have the cultural competence to understand what these kids need. They're gonna require training, right? Yeah. And so those people will go through training. I think it's a, a transformational piece of legislation because I think it's going to educate the country yeah. on the issues of foster care and what's truly going on because I don't think that people are truly educated around people know there's a foster care system I don't think they think that the barriers the kids who are suffering I don't think people know that yeah yeah and I mean so as someone who's I'm working on a piece of legislation for mental health that's bipartisan mm -hmm. too and the one thing that I think our piece both of our pieces have in common is it's a human issue it's a human and issue it's it's we break it down to every kid deserves a home, every child deserves a home. We should all be looking and saying, yes, this is how is, how are we making this political and everything becomes political in this climate. And it's, it's intimidating for a lot of people out there, I know myself included, um, especially just with how it can affect career, how it can affect, you know, relationships, friendships, exactly. family, you know, dynamics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. For the life of me, I don't understand why a legislator would want a child to stay in foster care Yeah. rather than having that child um, live with an LGBTQ plus person. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Right. I mean, I don't know. I've, you know, I've only been out here for, for a yeah. few years and, and, you know, I, that's the reason I started this whole right. podcast is <clears throat> right. because I wanted to humanize issues that I mm -hmm. felt like when most people hear something and they, they have a, yeah. an attached assumption about it. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, and, and myself, I was included in that, you mm -hmm. know, as a closeted man, I was like, Oh, if I'm gay, I can't be a dad. Like there goes my family, my white yeah. picket fence. Like right. I can't have the life that I thought I could have. And I've been so wrong about that. And, and now I sort of feel like this is an opportunity for me to bring people along, to it educate is, it them, is. To, to show them that like we all don't have to agree 100% of mm -hmm. the time, but we can support one another and, and lead with love. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you thought that as a closeted gay man, I think about the comment I just made about legislators. So they don't have the... Um, the education, they probably don't know anyone who's LGBTQ plus. Right. So there is a there is an educational aspect that I think is missing where they don't see our families. They don't know that our families are just like other families. Yep. I mean, we have the terrible twos and the dirty diapers and yeah. the tantrums and the bedtimes and, and all those things. Like we have literally all of those things. Like if we could all get together and see that we have more similarities and differences, especially when it becomes when it comes to parenting. Yeah then I think that we would be um, in a better place. I, I mean, I completely agree with yeah. you. I just think, you know, the work that you're doing um, in the legislation, you know, as someone who, when I reevaluated what I wanted to do with mental health mm -hmm. and with my nonprofit, you know, I, I asked myself, how can I affect the most people? And I've, you know, came up with this bill that I wanted to introduce. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the bill that you're working on and the legislation that you currently... Um, have and what the game plan is around it? 
Well, let's see. So the John Lewis Every Child Deserves a Family Act, we've been working on um, for, I would say, probably over 10 years. Um, John Lewis, I believe, are you familiar with, with John Lewis? The I'm not. C civil rights um, um, hero. Uh, he marched with Martin Luther King, um, well known. And this was um, a, a piece of legislation that was near and dear to his heart. And when he passed away, um, he passed the, the, the baton to someone named Danny, Danny Davis, who is now the bill sponsor. This bill, again, um, I don't have a lot of the history because it was decades ago, right, that mm -hmm. we started this um, and the need for it. But it is bipartisan in nature. And everyone knew that we, we needed to have this bill have support from both sides. Mm -hmm. And thank God that we were able to get, you know, both Democrats and Republicans who do believe what you said earlier, that every child deserves um, a family, even if that family happens to be LGBTQ+. Yep. Um, we have reintroduced the bill um, multiple times. It has not gotten passed yet, and I think you know how, how difficult that is. Yeah. And right now we're waiting for um, a reintroduction. Okay. And um, you know, a lot of times reintroduction has a lot to do with, with Congress and, and what's going on there, but we're, we're waiting for a reintroduction. Okay. Um, I think the, the other piece of it, just not the John Lewis Every Child Deserves a, a Family Act, but there's also other legislation that, yep. that I'd love to, to, to mention. Yeah. Um, and so we, we think about not a legislation piece that we're, that we're passing, but one that we're fighting. I would love to talk about that. Yeah. And, and as it relates to... Um, yeah, I think, you know, yeah. taking a step back to just, yeah. you mentioned fighting against, you know, what are some of the bills that you've seen so far and how many last year, you know, I know now we're in 2024, but last year alone, we set a record for how many anti-trans and yeah. anti-LGBTQ plus bills were introduced in. Yeah, you know, I would say, um, so first let's think about the end of 2022 was about 300 bills, which was, um, we thought that was a record. Um, 2023, about 550 plus. Wow. Bills were introduced. And how many were successfully passed? And um, only, geez, I would have to say, and we'll check this, I think probably 90% of those failed. Okay. Um, I believe, actually, let me take that back. 90% failed in 2022. I don't have the number because 2023 just closed, so I'll have to get that from my team. Okay. We do know, if you think about 2022, and um, of the 300, um, only 90% 90, 90 failed, and so only 10% got through. I think right. that's, we're passed. I think that's, that's, that's successful. Yep. And so we'll, we need to get the numbers for 2023 as that just closed. But to put things into context, um, in 2018, there were, a, there were under 100 anti-LGBTQ plus bills. So wow. under 100 in 2018. And then you jump to 2022 and what we saw in 2023. And yep. you see that increase. That's, it's scary. What do you think it is right now with our society and where we're at in culture of, of, of just attacking a human being's existence and they're they're just them just wanting to live their life yeah. and create their family and do their own thing miseducation okay. and i think there are a loud few who are playing out of an old playbook hmm. that was used has been used for quite some time so let's think about florida and i don't know if you know the woman um, anita bryant who i've heard of the heard name of her. yeah so yeah. Um, Anita Bryant uh, was, um, she was like in Florida orange juice commercials and Miss Oklahoma, but she was also an anti-LGBTQ plus, um, yeah. uh, I don't know if you want to call her an activist, but she, she truly believed that, um, we were not human and, um, she did a lot of damage in Florida in, in the seventies 
And um, that playbook and what Anita believed is still very much so prevalent in Florida and others, other states now. Mm-hmm. And so there's this old playbook of dehumanizing LGBTQ plus people. In fact, this country has a history of dehumanizing LGBTQ plus people. And so now we have this loud few who are miseducating people, who are using the same rhetoric as um, Anita Bryant and other folks from back in the 70s, and people are believing it. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's a, if you have misinformation, you have to have something else to neutralize it. And we don't, what is, what's the thing that's neutralizing it? I don't think we really truly have that. So what do right. people do? They believe it. Yeah. They believe what they're, what they're hearing. And then you bring in the, the transgender um, uh, community and people do not know anyone who's transgender. Yeah. Um, we'll have to check this, this stat, but I think we know that 30% of Mer- Americans, only 30% of Americans know someone is transgender. Sounds about right. Right. So, yeah. um, so I don't think we have the, the story and the educations to sort of uh, neutralize the, the, the hate and the rhetoric that we're, that we're hearing. So people believe what they hear, unfortunately. And I think the people who are using this as a tool know that, right? Right. Um, and a lot of people are getting their information from TikTok and, and Facebook and all those sorts of things. And so what's the, this is, an edu- this is, this is part of the neutralization, right? What we're doing right. right here. How do we educate people so they know that what they're hearing is not so? And there needs to be more of that. Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, I obviously have viewed Instagram, TikTok, social media in general as a positive for me because mm-hmm. I grew up in a smaller town in <clears throat> Illinois where I didn't have a lot of representation. I didn't, right. I didn't know um, many gay people. Mm-hmm. I did not get to see that. I didn't. I chose not to watch it on television because I wanted to run for myself. I did not like. So would you just turn it, turn it off. I just... would turn it off. I would. I would ignore it. I would. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know. But when I got horny, I looked. You know. <laughs> I looked for it. Um, but you know, it, it was for me at least. Social media. Yeah. I viewed it as a pro because I mm-hmm. I started getting to educate myself, but I also started getting introduced into characters that were gay. For the yeah. very first time, and, and it, I was like, oh okay, like oh they can have X, Y, and Z. They can, and I was always like from mm-hmm. their point of view. It's like yeah. I, you know, I was, it's like that that life is never for me. Mm-hmm. That was sort of how I treated it, right. and it was mainly just because I I did, from a young young age, have like this dream of having that perfect family. Yeah, and the perfect family was not being gay. Mm-hmm. So now that I'm here. It's like you can still. I, I really just want to be a beacon for hope for a young boy, young girl out there that yeah. is queer, that like you can march to your own beat and do your own thing and and still have it's your so perfect family. family. Yeah, and especially it, kids who are look the, like the Midwest, right? That's where you're where you're from. Yeah, and I don't. They don't see that. They don't see Coltons. Right. I I don't think I've talked much about it just because like when it first came out, it caught a lot of flack. Was my Netflix show. Um, mm-hmm. I think when I first, that first all sort of came out, it was just very messy transparently on yeah. how it came out. Um, the show got leaked at the same time that I was coming out mm-hmm. on Good Morning America and it was like a little bit of a PR mess and all of these things. And, you know, while there was a lot of people that had a lot of opinions and saying you're monetizing the queer experience, you're doing all this, they, they didn't get to see the people I was meeting with behind yeah. the scenes, you know, showing up and supporting these different organizations. Mm-hmm. And like, that's besides the point. But what I want to point out is there's not a day that goes by to this day where I don't have a DM or a message from somebody in middle America mm-hmm. that just said, Hey, I just binged your show. 
thank you so much. Like I needed this. I was borderline suicidal. I was depressed. Um, and not only just in our country, it's, that's the power of Netflix too, is Mm -hmm. it's international. Yeah. So I, I've just sort of taken pride and that's sort of my goal here with, with this is, you know, while my husband and I have chosen to remain somewhat private in, in our lives, mm-hmm. uh, this is a way for me to do it that's not as intrusive as Netflix cameras in my house. Right, right, exactly. Um, yeah. But you, I still... You can really control it. I, yeah. Well, not only control, yeah. it's it just like, you know, it's it's a way for me to educate people out there and also, you know, let people have fun. They've been, they've been with me since I've been 25. Yeah. So now this is like a way to bring them along with this ride. Have some fun with them. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what you and The Bachelor 25? I was 20, I think it was 25 or 26 okay. when, I, when wow. we were filming that. Wow. Yeah. And do you have, so you have like some of the same audience that has followed yeah. you through your journey, which I think that's amazing. My, it's, it's really interesting when, you know, when I talk to, to companies or brands to represent and to come to a speaking engagement or to post about their brand on my social medias, they ask for my demographics. And mm-hmm. it's always really interesting uh, to this day, sort of the breakout of, you know, my demographics, even yeah. after coming out. I'm still over 70% female following. Um, most of them are, I would say, I don't know what middle age is these days, yeah. but like 24 to 40 would be, I think, okay. the, yeah. the age range. Um, and the states are still very much middle of the country. I mean, wow. there is obviously like California presence, New York presence, but it mm-hmm. is very much Texas, you know, Illinois, Iowa, Missouri. So it's just like, and I think that's, that's what gets me excited about this mm-hmm. is now I just want to serve as a bridge. I, I'm sure there's people that are listening to this right now or are going to that might not agree on every stance or position yeah. that I have. And I'm here to say, like, I want that. That's good. Like, that's okay. That's good. That's yeah. healthy. You're thinking on your own. And yeah. and also, I hope by the end of this, maybe I can change your mind or at least provide you an opportunity to ask three or four questions the next time you sit down with somebody who doesn't agree the same way, you know, agree with everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's the opening of the discussion and we need to have more discussions like this in this, in this country. Yep. And I don't think that we are having, you know, this, you and I, when we talk one-on-one, we we're not talking about only um, one side. We're talking about how do we bring both sides together. We're talking about that everyone is not going to agree on everything. And I think we get too hung up sometimes in this country about, you have to agree with everything that I'm saying, and therefore, and if you do not, then the conversation is over. Right. We're not going to move the needle that way. Right. We can't do that. If we could have more uh, critical conversations and vulnerable conversations in this country and then respect each other, I, I think, again, we would be further along. Like, how do we have more of those? Totally. Yeah, and that's that was one thing Jordan and I, you know, we had a lot of conversations when we were talking about expanding our family and why mm-hmm. we wanted kids. We want to put great human beings out into the world. That's what we're like priding go. ourselves on. Yeah. Um, and you can only do that by being patient and, mm-hmm. and, and slow. And, and the two of us, you know, we don't agree on everything either, but I think that's healthy. That's, that's healthy. part of a relationship. That's part of a dynamic. And we've sort of lost that as a culture and as a society. And mm-hmm. um, I think shifting back to focusing on, you know, humans, like yeah. families, these kids need a home. Um, these, and everyone deserves a family. And everybody not deserves not a family. Child. I mean, like, family is like at the, the core of humanness, at the core of even this, this country. Yeah. Family. So how can we say that one family is not as important as the other or that our families are not true families? Sometimes you hear that. Or, well, you're not a family. Right. 
Well, and, and who are you to tell someone else that right. they aren't deserving of a family? Right. Um, are or aren't. Right, it's exactly. Just, yeah. It's not your place. Yes. So while <clears throat> we move through this series, um, you know, in my partnership with Family Equality, we're going to be sitting down with surrogates. We're going to be sitting mm-hmm. down with egg donors, sperm donors, pretty much the entire process of mm-hmm. what it looks like to grow our family. Who has impacted you or motivated you along your journey so far? Along my parenting journey? Yes. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, I would say that I found a, um, a group of friends who were parents before me um, who were able to provide counsel and, and the, um, the conversations that I needed to have because oftentimes as LGBTQ plus parents, we're trying to get it right mm-hmm. so much that we're just, we're, we're just paralyzed sometimes. And so I have to say I have a, group, a, a great group of, uh, of friends. Um, when, I, when I found family equality, you know, I was, I was a parent before I became the president of Family Equality, and when I found the resources on Family Equality and to understand that there were other um, parenting groups yeah. um, across the country that we could be reaching out to and connecting with, that was a great resource for me. And then I would say, you know, the, the small group of LGBTQ plus celebrities that, that are parents that we have out there, um, that's, that's still part of my journey, right? That still helps me understand that... Um, you know, we need to be loud and, and proud and, and, and talk about our journeys and our children. And that's, you know, exactly what we need to be doing. So, um, yeah, just a myriad of, of folks who continue to inspire me. And then I'll have to also say, like, my, my kids. When yeah. I look at my children and who they are at nine years old, you know, thinking and we adopted them and they were six weeks when we adopted them. And now they're nine years old. And to hear them say, I'm proud of my two moms. Or when they go into a new classroom, they, they are always like, we have two moms. They, they tell everyone. And I'm yeah. like, okay, I guess that's how you introduce it. They make me want to be a better person and to, to keep pushing. Yeah. 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 And on the flip side of things, what's been the most challenging? Mm. The most challenging is when your children walk into the room and say, we have two moms or the people who are not so nice. Mm. And how do you prepare your child for that? Because they're just innocent. And... They just want to talk about their parents just and their families just like anyone else. And so the ch- most challenging has been having to educate them that they're going to be people, even educators, who do not understand our family. I think another challenge has been prior to having children, again, just going through the process of trying to have children, with, which is already hard in itself, and just the discrimination. It's hard enough to be to make this big decision to have a to be a parent, and then when you have a, an organization, an adoption agency, telling you that no, you're not good enough, you don't deserve to be a parent, that's hard. Right. And many of us give up. Many of us give up on our path to parenthood. We don't even pursue it after you know a couple of no's or maybe even the, the first no. And so that just the thinking back when we were on our path and how hard that was to hear those no's, and we we did give up. And then we started again. And in this sort of like serendipitous moment after we gave up, my wife happened to just be on a, a website and saw a, um, a, an ad for an adoption agency. And it said, a mother of two in Ohio, pregnant with twins, open to all families. And so we said, okay, maybe this is the chance. Maybe, maybe this is ours. And that's how our boys entered into our life. Um, and I think the other, the other challenge is educating the educators. So not only do you have to send your children to school, 
which is also hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have to educate the teachers and the administrators because they don't understand our family dynamic. And so you're spending a lot of energy, um, not just sending your children to school with all the, the things that go on with children at school. You're also educating every teacher, every educator, every new school that you go to know this. You're going to have to educate the educators. Yeah. So your family is included in the classroom dynamic. And I mean, I, I just know this because of keeping up with the news and, and what's happening right now in our country. In some states, that's not even possible. Right. Uh, I mean, it, with, oh God, with, no! Of course, new... you think about don't say you think about don't say gay in Florida. Yeah, uh, I believe Iowa passed don't say gay too. Yeah. And you know we, you know to give you an example, you know we we heard from a lesbian couple in Iowa uh, back in October, and they called us and they said, you know, we need to get out of Iowa now. Our kids or one of our kids was at school and they were talking about their their two moms and the teacher said you can't talk about your family here. We have that type of rhetoric or dynamic happening in, in schools. That's just, I can't even imagine that. So you're right. You, you can't even educate an educator. They can't speak to you about it. They're, you're afraid they're going to lose their jobs. Right. And I mean, it goes the other way too, where I, you know, I've heard from some teachers that they can't even put the picture of their husband or, no. you know, the, if it's, you know, a woman, they can't put the picture of their wife out and display for the mm -hmm. children. And, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, what is, you know, what's our, you know, society and our world coming to if you can't be proud of the we're relationship going and, and, and yeah. family that you have. Yeah, we're going backwards. I'll have to say that we have not seen, you talk about, you asked me earlier, but what's kind of what's going on? What's the common theme um, with all of the, the anti-LGBTQ plus rhetoric? And what I can say is that going back to this person, Anita Bryant, we've not seen this level of attacks on the LGBTQ plus community since 1979, since mm. 77, 79. So again, back to this playbook and folks like Anita and others, um, it's we're we're at this turning point. It's we we truly are going backwards, and I think again this whole uh, piece of educating people yeah. is going to be necessary now more than ever. Why now? Why do you think we're getting attacked now? I, again, I go back to a lack of education, and I go back to also there's more of us. More there are 20 million people in this country identify as LGBTQ plus. Yep. There are more of us in this country. About 4 million children have LGBTQ plus parents. I think there is a level of visibility that we, that we do have now in terms of our, our existence. And I think that there's still a fear of us um, mm. as well. And I do think that there are people who are weaponizing who we are. And, and they know that they can do that politically. And they're using that um, very strategically right now. So you think about all those things. There's more of us. There's more children, more families. And there is this issue, kind of a wedge issue, right? And it's like, yep. I, we can use this as a political pawn very strategically. And I think people are, are doing that, which is why it's so important to get both sides talking. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's a, yeah, I'm just excited to, to continue educating people, talking through mm -hmm. this process. Yeah. It's been eye-opening to me. I know I'm, you know, I have, you know, I have a lot of privilege and, and I'm, very blessed to be in the position that I'm in, but I have like, I have a team of I think nine people that are helping me grow mm -hmm. my and my husband grow our family. Yes, between lawyers and doctors and surrogates and a consultant and just like, and we're in California, which is I think one of the more friendly states Absolutely. when it comes it to is. growing your family. Mm -hmm. So if I can feel a little overwhelmed 
with the resources that I have and the knowledge that I have and everything, I couldn't imagine, you know, a single parent that wants that. to have a family in Texas, Florida, some of these states that are a little mm -hmm. more challenging to do that in. And that and that's what's inspiring, you know, me for for all of this is just like how can I continue to help people help people. Yeah. Right? Yes, like absolutely. you can you only know what you know. Um mm -hmm. and and that's why I really feel called to to helping with middle America and being very patient with you know just people who are in my life and then also who have sort of gone with me on my journey of yeah. reality television. Um is just educating them. Slowly yeah. but surely, you yeah. know, like, hey, this we is need, our experience. We, we need to educate them. And um, one of the things we talk about a bunch in the, the movement is this need for allyship and allies. Yes. As we think about going into the, uh, the an election year and how a lot is on a, the line for our community, mm -hmm. we need education and then we need allyship more than ever because those are the folks who are going to help bring us along. Those are the folks who are going to have conversations that you and I are not in. Right. When you and I are not in those rooms as LGBTQ plus people, we need our allies talking about our families, talking about us, talking yep. about why it's important. And oftentimes they won't listen to you or I, right? Because we're the LGBTQ plus people, you're the gay folks in the room, yep. but they will listen to an ally. They will listen to right. their, their religious aunt who has had some type of, you know, sort of turnaround on the issue. Yeah. If we can get those folks educated and if we can get them talking about our issues um, to their friends, you know, I think that we'll make a lot of progress. Yeah. And how, so how, for people listening right now, how can they help? How can they become allies? How can they support family equality? Where do yeah. they go? Yeah. So first you go to familyequality.org to, um, to support our work. You can think about our, look at our programs. We have programs. We have um, our Family Week, which is our, our the largest LGBTQ plus family gathering in the world. So mm -hmm. if you're an LGBTQ plus person or parent, um, please join us. Um, you can um, sign up for action alerts, so that will allow you to understand when we need you to call, you know, uh, one of your your you know senators, right? Yeah. Because we're we're trying to pass legislation or we're trying to to fight legislation. You can get educated on our website and think about who are the families that you know and maybe in your community or in your fa in your family who maybe don't they don't feel quite included yeah. and get um, educated on how you should be talking about our families, how you should be talking to them. Um, I know for me, when my family fin finally came around, it was really important for them to understand that they understood our family dynamic. And so we have those types of resources on um, on our website too. Yeah. Amazing. Incredible. Yeah. And become an ally by, again, getting educated. And allyship is not just marching in the pride parades with us. That's not allyship. I don't call that, that's not authentic allyship to me. Authentic allyship is what I said earlier, is that when we are not in the rooms, that you're advocating me, advocating for us in the rooms that I'm not in. Mm. That you are having brave conversations when I'm not around. Mm. Not, um, you know, allowing someone to spew rhetoric and because there's not a queer person around, then you just allow it to happen. If you are a true ally, then you will stop that. And that's how we continue to move the needle in true allyship, authentic allyship. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would hope people out there would stand up for what's right and, you know, be able to call somebody out when they know mm -hmm. it's misleading or misinformation and yeah. um, sort of change the positioning. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, like James said, go to familyequality.org to find out more about this amazing organization. I'm going to be linking it out here and also in the podcast. So 
Um, James, thank you so much. Thank you. I'm going to have you back on. I cannot wait for our second episode and our second round. Thanks for having me. Thank you. What's up, guys? If you want more exclusive behind-the-scenes content, more access to me, all of the fun things, sign up for my Patreon right here. We'll link it out. promise you, you do not want to miss this. Head on over and join me on Patreon. Daddy Hood with Colts and Underwood and Daddy Hood is so often misunderstood and Daddy Hood is so precious and good. The ride of your life is Daddy Hood. <laughs>